Welcome to the Building Science Podcast. Welcome to this. Okay. Oh, welcome to the Building Science. To the Building Science Podcast. 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 Welcome to the Building Science Podcast. Bringing the human factor to architecture and design. Brought to you by Positive Energy in Austin, Texas. Okay, hello, welcome back, everybody. Welcome back to the Building Science Podcast. I'm Christoph Irwin here with my summer intern, podcast producer Nico. Hello. I am also here with Kevin Rosa and Paul Kopic. They are both co-founders of Opus Vitae. One of the questions will be to introduce that term. Uh, we'll start with you, Kevin. How did you come to be co-founder of Opus Vitae? So um, I've been in the construction industry a long time. Like when I was, you know, a boy working. We had a small little hobby farm. Hmm. My dad was the kind of person that did everything himself. Interesting. Right? Like if you needed if it needed to be built, it happened some somehow within our family. And so I was always out there working alongside and building chicken coops and barn additions and that sort of thing. And I had a like it was very I was very interested in that. And so my dad also would bring home like old shipping pallets to like cut up for firewood. Mm. And I'd grab those shipping pallets and like build forts out of it and stuff. And I built like a three-story one at one point, and I, like it would. What surprises me, knowing what I know now, is like as a parent, I'd never let my kid build a three-story. <laughs> <laughs> like you know, out of shipping crates. I mean, it's amazing that it didn't fall down. Um, but you know, I kind of knew early on that that was something I was very interested in, but I didn't take it as a career path until I was a senior in high school, and I was doing well, that's a while. pretty early. It is, I guess, but at the same time, you know, some people know what they want to do from like. That's true. Even younger. And so um, I had a co-op work experience in a design, interior design store. So my senior year, I went to school for like three or four classes. And I, the rest of my day was spent working and I got credit for that. And um, I learned a lot in that environment. But one of the things I did learn is that that wasn't really for me. Mm. But it was also my first entree. And I'm going to talk about this very briefly. but We'll come back to it like later in the podcast my first experience with chemical sensitivity and formaldehyde because back in those days everything was wallpaper and carpet so there were books and books like shelves and shelves and shelves of wallpaper books and then the waterfalls of what they call them that was all Mm -hmm. the samples of carpet like throughout the entire store and so that like new house smell was formaldehyde i didn't realize at the time but it did impact me and it made me sick and Whoa! We, yes, well, we definitely come back. To so that. I uh, ended up leaving there, and a uh, good friend of mine that I went to grade school with, um, his dad was a builder, and we were just coming out of the SNL crisis and okay. residential construction was starting to happen again. But he was doing some commercial stuff, and he's like, "Hey, Kevin, you know, we're looking for people." I'm like, "Great!" So my co-op work experience flipped over to that. Started off as just you know your labor, getting yelled at for eight hours a day, kind of kid. And it's like, no, this is what I want to do, man. I mean, I was like watching the journeyman on the crew and they had like their tool belt and their California framing hammer. It's like, I want every one of those things. Dang it. <laughs> and so as soon as I see up enough money to get them, I did. And like, you know, that hammer with the big long uh, handle and stuff. Was it an S-twig? It, it was not an S-twig. Uh, it was a, um, it was called the California framer with the wood handle. Gosh, I can't, Bond. It was the Bond. Oh, yeah. Hammer. Yeah. Well, good. Well, I think we might also come back to pallets. We may. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, Paul Kopic, um, same question to you in your own words. Like, how did you end up working with Kevin, 
co-founder of Opus Vitae. Yeah, Kevin and my stories couldn't be any more different when it comes to getting into construction <laughs> uh, because I went to um, get a biology degree uh, thinking I might be headed to medical school. And uh, I got about halfway through that and, and decided that wasn't quite right. Um, didn't want to deal with people who are under anesthesia. I like people too much. Like I'm interested in those conversation pieces. Mm. So um, I ended up going to graduate school to be a pastor, um, theological school. So I went to Princeton Theological Seminary and got a Master of Divinity. Whoa. Did that for a few years. I uh, worked in California at a college campus. There were elements of it I loved, but I realized that wasn't quite it either. And at it. that point, I had no idea what I was going to do when I was in my mid-20s. And uh, so I ended up um, talking to a whole bunch of people and just trying to figure out what my skill set would lend itself to. Uh, I had a high attention for detail and, um, and loved to work with my hands. And so that's part of what had driven me towards surgery in the first place. Mm -hmm. And so someone asked me about, uh, would you be interested in Finnish carpentry? I'm like, Finnish, like Swedish. Finnish. <laughs> like, I, I had no idea what like Finnish carpentry was. Um, I didn't know, like if I would have swung at a wall, I wouldn't know what's inside it. So like completely the opposite of Kevin didn't grow up around it, had no experience of it. And, uh, I ended up taking a job for a general contractor in Santa Barbara area and, uh, working in Finnish carpentry and then have made my way by hook or by crook through uh, mostly up and into management, actually haven't spent all that much time in the field. So that also couldn't be uh, any more different, but um, I love working with people and I have a, a mind for the details of how things go together sequentially and uh, mm -hmm. relationally. Mm -hmm. And so ended up finding my way into the uh, project management side of construction and have been, have been leading projects for years. That is Great. So very different. Yeah, very different. Couldn't be more different. And I definitely want to come back to sequentially and relationally. That's yeah. really beautiful. That's yeah. Good good for But how did you meet Kevin? How did that happen? So we worked together at the same firm for a while. And uh -huh. In fact, we were paired together um, as a team, uh, thinking that we'd be able to do uh, pretty great things because of the way it looked to the people who were putting us together, that our, our minds and kind of ways would go together. And they did. Um, well enough that um, we ended up deciding to do something different and do our own thing. How long ago? That's what, five years ago. Not that long. But well, yeah. five years ago that we started working together, and then we then we started this firm two years ago. Got okay. it. Okay. Yeah. yeah. All right. Yeah. Well, good. So the future is bright. And, yeah. Uh, in fact, that's that's sort of the theme. Um, we have been clients together, colleagues together, and we always seem to have really juicy conversations mm -hmm. and. Um, no doubt this will be a good one as well. But I want to make the broad theme the future of residential construction, right? There's a lot of challenges for us right now. We are also replete with opportunities, new technologies, for sure. new ideas, new ways to organize. Mm -hmm. So, but let's start with, start, we're, we're going to be moving toward the future of residential construction, but starting with the present, you two run Opus Vitae and here in Portland, Oregon. It's 2023 right now. We're going to be talking about like your basic foundation wall and roof assembly. But first, mm -hmm. what's Opus Vitae mean? Was it a difficult choice for a name? It was not. And so one thing I do want to bring up is there Please. is a, there is a third piece, very important piece to this company, and that's Christine Bruchette, who's oh, not here. But without her, Paul and I couldn't work our magic truly yeah. because it's like with her in the background, taking care of all the other stuff. 
it allows us to be our best selves with the things that we do best. So I I want that's a catalyst. Yeah, she's so one causes a chemical reaction without using itself up. <laughs> right, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Uh, but we, you know, it, was, it took a little time to come up with the name, which is Latin for life's work. Yeah, but that meant so much to us when we finally like circled in on it because this is our life's work. I mean, I've got what like thirty three years into this, and it's a constant evolution of new knowledge paired with wisdom of experience to get where we are and it is our life's work. And we set this company up to be beyond us. When we retire out, a new group of people are gonna own this and take it over and go even beyond where we did. So it will be their life's work as well. Yeah, what's interesting is we have different sense of what life's work is. So um, if you see our logo anywhere, it has uh, roots and branches. And that's could be related to construction for sure. But we saw it as a deeper thing in a lot of ways. Relationally, we want to be sort of like a a mother tree, if that were possible, Um, taking uh, our roots down into the ground and making connections under the ground that are never seen so that the forest ecosystem can be healthier. So for us, construction, the way we want to do it is not just about um, building good buildings, but it's about um, all the people who are involved in the process. And that's the clients, the architects and design teams, the engineering teams, uh, the trade partners, everybody. And we all have to feed each other um, and not steal from each other. And so that's part of it, like that deep root structure, like kind of like mycorrhizae under the ground doing their thing. Um, It's just not possible to grow a good tree without that um, substructure. And so there's all of that going on under the surface that we want to emphasize just as much as the thing we're putting into the market. Wow. Wow. I was going to go trite and talk about Avatar and the mother tree. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Thank you, Paul. That was beautiful. You know, honestly, you had just said knowledge and wisdom. You didn't say information. Right. Right. Like, what's the perm rating of Tyvek, right? That's information. But, like, why do I care, right? That might be knowledge. And then wisdom is, you know, where climates is it appropriate? Right. But... This thing about investing in the soil, investing in the mycorrhizae mm-hmm. of the forest floor. I think that there's this sort of cultural zeitgeist that's ending right now. And, you know, the 50s, maybe more mentality, it was more thriving. And you could argue, well, don't fault them. They, the world seemed endless at that point. Right? Sure. And we were improving outcomes for humanity mm-hmm. by, by the way we access or handled resources. And... Let's face it, like the what we used to call progress was like, oh, here's nature's bounty, the resources and ecosystems upon which we all depend. It is held in like a, um, a vault, like a trust fund for future generations. And what we call progress is blowing a hole in the vault door so that we can get those resources out faster. And right. I, I really feel like you guys, you tapped into a Paul Tet mm-hmm. statement. Like you're like, no, that's not progress. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, boy. I'm so tempted to go right to there, but let's stay. So, <laughs> so you, there are building codes in Portland. There are, yes. And um, I guess talk to us just just let's do the basics on uh, what what do you have? What's your basic approach to foundations, and maybe in the context of code. So, so the the code um, foundation is like you know pretty basic. You know, it's like a five inch thick, you know, uh, stem wall on top of a spread footing for a single story. And, it, and it's, uh, um, it's a double story house and it goes to eight inches. So mm-hmm. that's pretty basic stuff. Any insulation under the footing? Uh, no, 
none required here. Yeah, it's pretty moderate. It, it is. It's a moderate temperature. Um, but our code here is based on the IRC 2018. Got it. Okay. And then walls? So walls, code minimum here is a 2 by 6 with uh, R21 insulation. There, the code gets a little the CI. nuanced with you know performance readings, and if you do a lesser furnace here, then you have to do exterior insulation. Right. So there's like this trade-off That's thing right. that gets really complicated. Quite honestly, we don't run in those circles. We do beyond code every time, so we're not really worried about. All know, right, let's what, just go there. Yeah, let's go beyond code. What what is your basic uh, enclosure? You can go through any piece of it you want. So like for us, the, the thing that we love is the fast wall system. And the fast wall system um, is basically a uh, wood. That's, excuse me, F-A-S-W-A-L-L, fast wall. Yeah, and so it's a wood insulated concrete form. So it looks very much like a uh, pumice building block, concrete block, mm -hmm. except that it has it's made out of um, uh, mineralized recycled shipping pallets back to the pallets back to the pallets back to my start <laughs> in construction all those years ago um but they they take uh recycled shipping pallets they grind them up they have a, a proprietary mineral mineral mineralization process and they mix it with cement and they drop these forms out or these blocks out of a machine it cures and then they put insulation panels inside them to the exterior and then you stack them kind of like legos and then they get filled with cement and rebar that gives you a rough R value of 23, just as is. The system was designed to take plaster on the interior, no fur out. On the exterior, it's designed to also take a stucco on the exterior with no fur out, unless you're in a climate or your building requires you to have more insulation, which you can stack on the outside and then do whatever cladding you want. Mm -hmm. It's an incredible system. It's yeah. a 200 plus year system. It is the kind of thing that has this like humidity flywheel that you attach to and it you know, sort of, you know, uh, absorbs extra humidity and releases it as it dries out and stuff. It's, it's a wonderful, wonderful system. It's very quiet. It's resilient. We don't have issues with, uh, you know, rodents migrating in. I mean, it's just an incredible system. In my mind, why you wouldn't use that and forget about the two by six wall is shocking to me, quite honestly. Beautiful. Yeah. There's so much to say about festival. Let's go to the roof next though. Okay. <laughs> What do you guys do on your roofs? Stick frame, CI, cavity, NCI? So I'm going to throw out the word it depends because it does on the situation and the structure. We're not fans of, of um, pre-manufactured trusses. Uh, those, you can't get one that interesting. the same as the next one, is the next one, is the next one. It's going to end up with really wavy roofs, and we don't love that. So we're fans of stick frame in various ways. However, the future truly is mass timber of some sort roof assembly. Yeah. And that's really where we're trying to go, but it's a slow path there. Mm -hmm. You know, you're, you're, we're almost having to create a bit of an industry within industry because in the commercial world, it's starting to happen, but in residential, it is not happening much yet. Right. But as it becomes more common and there's more places building this stuff, and more fabricators creating it, it will become more affordable and more commonplace. But luckily here in the Northwest, we have a company called Ferris Lumber mm -hmm. who's doing mass ply panels. And so it's a bit dissimilar. It, it's similar to CLT, but it's slightly different in the sense that they're not using like one by material instead they're doing like thin laminations. And they're, they're changing orientation and stuff to get the strength that they need, but they can make it as thick as you need it. And, like it's just big, huge panels you just drop on your roof assembly. It's incredible. 
Um, that's the future. We're moving that direction. Mm -hmm. But right now we're still doing stick frame with, you know, like LSLs or LSLs or I beams or whatever the case may be. Mm -hmm. We try and stay away from I beams as much as we can from the perspective of the fact that it's off gassing a lot with OSB web. Mm -hmm. Um, but there's sometimes where it's the lesser of the two evils. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. We're definitely in a straddle position right now where when we're doing renovation work, um, our optimal wall assembly can't be what we would want it to be. Right. And, uh, and our roof assembly as well. Um, we're kind of halfway across that line uh, of uh, wanting to build the new, wanting to build the thing that's going to last for the long term that mm -hmm. we want to see. But um, people ask us sometimes when we've talked to them about what we could potentially do to their existing house, could we, and then fill in the blank with what they're thinking they might do with it. And the answer is um, not very easily. And we would love to be able to do that for you, but it's probably not going to be cost effective and you're going to lose square footage and other things um, to do what we would love to do best. So in those cases, we have to do just the best we can with the assemblies that are there and tying yeah. into them. Yeah, here, here. Yeah, we're, we're always trying to thread multiple dimensions of quality, multiple like Venn yes. diagram circles. Yes. Yeah, we got to be reasonable. Yeah. yeah. I, I was thinking about when you said 200 year, 200 year house, like lifespan. Mm -hmm. um, and this comment on the vault door I made, right? So LCA, a lot of life cycle analysis uh, work uses 80 years as the you know, lifetime of a building. Um, some of the HBA literature, like national stuff, talks about 15 years <laughs> wow. to a major system failure. And um, you could argue, oh, well, the average first buyer doesn't live in a house more than 15 years, so that's fine. But then you get this trust fund idea that nature's like, but nature's still invested in that house, right? right. And it, it has like hopefully a longer, yeah. longer time frame. So I, I think one of the questions that comes up is, so you're, you're, you're automatically not like following mainstream codes. Mm -hmm. And we've just been through a really, we're actually, we're still in a volatile period of pricing, resource availability, or supply chain disruptions coming off of the pandemic. Was a product like Fastwall less disrupted, more disrupted? Or do you have not have context to know? We do actually. So it, it was disrupted because the demand of it became really, really high during that. When the price of lumber was so ridiculous, mm -hmm. Fastwall started to level out with that. And, you know, it's like if you had, if the, the, the two by six um, wall construction, lightweight uh, wall construction is still less initial cost. Okay. And because of that, most people are looking towards it. But when it was about the same as fast wall, you start saying, well, why in the heck would we even consider the two by six wall if we can have a far better product for about the same price? Yeah. Um, that was a snapshot in history though, because now lumbers come way down mm -hmm. and fast wall is still what it is, but it has about a three to five month wait for the product currently. So it's still being impacted by that heavy demand. And they're a small operation. They're here in, in the Northwest. They're in, in a, um, a more central part of the state down in Philomath, um, which is great for us because our trucking costs are a whole lot less to get them here. Um, and we have access to the factory and we can go down there for tours or you know yeah. get samples or whatever, and, um, which is cool. Um, it's nice that it's local for us. 
But, but yeah, they've been impacted and they're working to create a second production line. But, you know, this is like, it's a slow moving animal. It just is, yeah. you know, cause they have to battle with trying to keep up with production as well as divert resources and attention to create another line. I suspect um, probably in the next five years or so, it'll come down to probably just a month wait, month to two month wait. But um, yeah. You know, it's like, I think that, that adage that, you know, you must wait for good things. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You got to wait for it. So that, that brings up sort of this next layer and we'll come back to the construction layer, but so you're talking to clients, right? Mm -hmm. um, architects, clients, the whole project team. And I doubt clients are often like, oh, that's fine. Five months wait's fine. How do you talk to clients about that trade-off between? Uh... Yeah, I would say one thing that I would observe is that our process is a bit upside down from a lot of construction process, which is um, sort awesome. of go get permits and then start building as fast as you can. Um, part of the reason we wanted to start the company when we did was because we felt like that process doesn't really honor the client either in the mm. sense that we can't. Um, going that way, predict how it's going to cost and how long it's going to take. So we wanted to turn things around and spend all the time we needed to up front in a process um, to get things really dialed in so that we can build the house um, at, a, at a schedule and at a cost that's what we predicted it would be. And so our process is already slower and heavier on the front end, um, trusting that that will carry us at the back half. And so um, from the very first meeting we have with clients in our office, we tell them that that process up front is going to take extra legwork and time and money and that we're not going to start out of pace. And that's really, really hard. Uh, it's inertia. Like there's so much in inertia in the construction industry already moving you forward to follow that pace. And of course, as a company, you need to make money. And yeah. so you uh, want those projects to start. So we're in the process of trying to even build our own self-discipline to carry carry through with what we're telling people. Yeah, but um, when there's, uh, especially when you're starting to introduce elements that you're hoping will last 200 years, now you really need to think about all the assembly from top to bottom, uh, beginning to end. And if you do that in a hurry, you're just not gonna get a result. Yeah, yeah, yeah I'm totally with you. Like, so two, two quick comments. One is, um, what you said about like having the courage to state courage to live your values come what may to yeah. state to a client something that in an early meeting that you know might not be what they want to hear and they might go find someone else right and yet you're also in a filtering process you're also in an education process they might go find someone else which makes you seem like well that was the wrong thing to say they might have a terrible experience and remember and even tell friends and relations mm -hmm. i should have listened mm -hmm. to right. paul and kevin because mm -hmm. that what they spoke was the truth but, but the other piece is this integrated project delivery, IPD. Mm -hmm. And basically the vertical axis is effort or time mm -hmm. on, on the design side of a project. And uh, the horizontal axis would be time. So effort versus time, or you could call it pain mm -hmm. versus time, or <laughs> yeah. hassle or something, let's just say effort. And if you start early with a big spike and then you go through SD and DD, it starts to come down. And by the time you're going through CDs, this is an architectural design process mm -hmm. stage still, it's much less effort mm -hmm. versus the normal one, which is like, let's just start. Right. Yeah. So SD is low. DD is getting higher. CD is really, really high. And then it goes down. They start building. And usually there's a second blip mm -hmm. of design, maybe a third blip. 
And if you if you compared the amount of effort, which owners listening, which usually correlates to the amount of money you spend, mm-hmm. right? the amount of effort that people are expending on your behalf reasonably correlates to expense. Mm-hmm. So effort on IPD, arguably, and I believe we've seen it as clients, uh, colleagues, and uh, and friends. Mm-hmm. But this idea that the, the area under those curves, the amount of effort total on a project, is actually lower if everyone's engaging everything early and things right. through. And yet, it is also it took chutzpah to, to say that, like we're going to be slower, we're going to be more deliberate, right. and we're going to use a different wall assembly. Yeah, one more quick comment. I'm actually coming back to you, Kevin. Like so. You know, there's difference between fast wall, which is which is a specific type of an insulated concrete form, right? ICF uh, construction. Um, well, it brings up concrete in the whole context of alternative cements, mm-hmm. but but more so, what it does is it defragments the wall as a as a product. It's not a series now of oh, I have my framing. Mm-hmm. And then I have my control layers and my control layers are also different products. You know, I have my sheathing and my WRB right. and my cavity insulation and yada, yada, yada. And I think there's a, like, and I don't even let me say, I think personally, that was what I experienced when I was a builder, you know, about for about 20 years, I was a builder and that was the thing. And, and you, you kind of get into this, this mindset of this fragmented, all these different product choices that you have and you're, what you bring as a builder is like, the orchestra leader and how you arrange them and when you bring them in. Mm-hmm. And that can just lead you astray, right? You get into this trance thinking about products and perm ratings and, you know, all these different things mm-hmm. when in fact you need a wall, it needs to create an indoor environment mm-hmm. that's separate from the outdoor mm-hmm. environment. But I guess getting back to the festival from the, from the, from the, not just client, but the trades relationship, the yes. architecture relationship. Yes. It is a different product. It's a different mm-hmm. product. Could you comment on that? Absolutely. <clears throat> so what I always tell people, specific trades people, empl- our direct employees, that you have to start looking at things differently. You have to throw away the old paradigm of, you know, we got to do it this way every time. We don't. There's nothing that says that we have to put things the way that we do with a lightweight, a, a lightweight two by six wall. Yeah. They're, they're, and so I get the, the simple questions like, well, okay, but now how do we put plumbing next to your wall? I go, well, we either move it out of the wall or we put it inside in the toe kick, right? Oh, okay, great. That That's one solution, right? Another is um, electrical. Well, do you put electrical, do you put conduit inside those cavities and, and pre-do your wiring? Or do you do it on the outside and have it exposed like you do in an industrial building, right? There's some real benefits to that because now you can infinitely change your wiring around and it's all on the exterior. It's not buried in cavities. I mean, it's just looking at things differently. Instead of looking at things as being a problem because they're different, I look at them as being an opportunity because they're different. Mm-hmm. It's like, hey, we can do whatever we want here, guys. Like, especially when you're creating this thing in the design phase when it's just a concept, we can design out every problem that's going to come up if we know that we're using this product. But it points back to your question about architects, right? We work with an architectural firm that um, believes in the product and is excited to do the problem solving with us to figure out the things that um, you know are, are different than what everybody expected them to be. And um, that's fun. It's fun. It's exciting to be like, okay, here's the, here's the challenge. Let's figure it out. Yeah, yeah, and it, it's it's fun, and it's also different. And yes. um, what's the what's the idea I have here? It's like 
you're asking your team to think about it's like integrated project delivery it's like yes. it's, it's what paul said yeah. about starting early investing mm -hmm. yeah. you know because you can't just say well we're going to frame the walls right and then we're going to figure it out mm -hmm. you know right no no no. we're going to figure it out and then we're going to build the building yeah. exactly we're going to do and so what like so you have this you had this um courage moment you know and let's mm -hmm. just remind everyone when you're displaying courage in the world your emotional tone is one of fear mm -hmm. otherwise it's not courage it's mm -hmm. delusion or denial right. or something yeah. right. so you had enough courage to tell a, a client like on the, the first date hey hi we're a builder we're going to take longer we're going to think more we're going to get you better outcomes and right. hopefully they'll hear that but similarly with similarly with the trades you're sort of filtering out for certain personality traits or how does that work? So, so here's what I have found with that. <clears throat> and I'll give you an example. I've got a, a drywall contractor that I've worked with for what, longer than I even care to, to, you know, say out loud. Right. <laughs> well, you already said you were young. And that's, that's, true. that's true. In crisis, uh, so they can but, but great guy. And we have a client that's chemically sensitive and they want alternatives to the typical process. And so I came to him and I said, hey, I, I need some alternatives here. Um, one with material and two with process. And his first concern was, well, why do they want to do that? Because I can't control my outcome if I'm using different products I'm not familiar with. And that was his first concern because that's what he has been dealing with for his career mm -hmm. is the outcome, not the health of the product at all, right? It was just the aesthetic and outcome. And the visual aesthetic mm -hmm. outcome. Right, yeah. that was it, right? And so I said to him, I go, well, here's the deal. Think about it like this. All of your guys interacting with this product, the installers, the, the um, sheetrock hangers, the tapers, the finishers, all those guys interacting with these products and they're saying, and they're breathing that dust. They're getting it on their skin. Shouldn't we be concerned that they're going to get sick, yeah. right? And he's like, oh, yeah. I go, and the client that lives in this house afterwards, when that stuff is off-gassing and their family's breathing that, shouldn't we be concerned about that also? And he's like, well, yeah. He's like, hey, you know, I was thinking about this one product over here, and what if we do this? And I'm like, great, exactly. And he's like, well, you know it's going to cost more? I'm like, I know, and that's okay. But so many of these guys have been beat up through the years in the trades where if it costs more, man, it is a battle with the builder to get their money. Yeah. And we're saying just the opposite. We know it's going to cost more, but we're getting a better product and we're delivering a better product. So it's worth it. Yeah. And we're a team. Let's figure it out. And it also does um, limit who we would use on projects uh, on the trade side of things because we do need people to be uh, collaborating with us in ways that they're thinking outside the box. Um, every one of us as human beings, and this is sort of an aside, is um, it's easier to use less energy on our thinking but none of what we're doing allows us to use less thinking. It always requires more thinking and more energy investment, not just thinking, but also the feeling like you're saying coming out of fear or other things. So we need, need, need. It is absolutely critical for us to be surrounded by a team of people who are thinking critically with their head on a swivel, uh, who are looking at the other trades and wondering and asking questions and seeing how does this integrate with what I'm doing and with the big picture that we're all trying to accomplish and if we don't have those people, we can't succeed because we're only touching so many of the parts and pieces. And all of those trades that we rely on are, are so critical to making sure that it, it meets up to all the criteria. 
So we're, we're constantly looking for those folks and there's a certain makeup of people that have those characteristics and, and a lot don't. They want to think in just, I know how I've done this. I'm going to keep my head down. I'm going to keep my narrow, my focus narrow and I'm just going to do the thing. And that just will never work here, here. Yeah. But it is prevalent in the industry. Very oh yeah. I was, I was wondering whether it was proper decorum to talk about what's prevalent in the industry. Oh, I, I think it Treating is. Treating your trades like they're disposable as well. Right. Exactly. And, and, and what's always interesting is that when you're the guy that's doing something different, people will watch and look for the reaction. And if it's positive, then they'll start doing it too. But if it's negative, man, they'll back away from it really quick. And I think I touched on slightly that I, you know, grew up in a farm environment. Well, I've returned to that in my um, older years and I do um, have a small agribusiness. And what's fascinating about that world is that all of the farmers around me that have been doing it for multi-generations, I have conversations with my neighbor and I'll say, hey, how come everybody here waits to cut their grass seed until it's like so dry that it shatters and they have to cut it at night under the dew to help the seed heads hold together? Because that means that you guys are running your equipment at night, which is like the least desirable time to do it. And he's like, well, that's how we've been doing it here for years. And I go, well, when I was growing up in the farming industry, we did it during the day and we just cut it a little sooner, right? And he's like, Gee, if I was to do that here, like everybody would start talking about it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. And it's like so ingrained that, man, you don't want to be that guy that does something different than everybody else because people are going to talk about you. And I'm the guy that's like, cool, let them talk and let them see the results. And then maybe they'll start doing it too. I, I This is a Paul statement. I'll pivot this over to you. But right, so we are highly relational beings. Yeah. You can't take the mammal out of the builder. You can't yeah. take the mammal out of the AEC generally. And so we have this uh, prediction algorithm. First of all, we want to be relational. We want to fit into our peer groups. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times our decisions are, are made like without us even knowing it, our brains work to make quick decisions without a lot of thought mm -hmm. because we'll use up less of our fuel resources That's in right. our bodies. Yeah, could you talk a little bit about this, like in, in, his, in his context, about doing something different? Because that's fundamentally what Opus Vitae is doing. And getting back to the theme of our podcast, the future of residential instruction, right? There are things that are going to stick, right? Mm -hmm. And yet they are today, they are the signal embedded in the noise. Things mm -hmm. are going to stick, meaning they're going to be the practices in the future. Mm -hmm. um, so what about doing things differently? Mm -hmm. Doing things differently. Right. Um, you know, Kevin's been really fundamental for me in this, so just looking at his um, long time in the industry and curiosity to see things done better all the time, um, wanting to see the structure last longer, wanting to see it be healthier, all those things. Yeah. And that takes a certain amount of curiosity and interest. And all of those, um, those energies, like you say, um, come from somewhere. They come from a reservoir in us. So fundamentally, I think we all have to um, think about our lives and what are the things that I'm going to choose to use my energy on. And um, what we're deciding is that there's a part of the construction industry that we love that we want to expend our energy on. And it means that we're going to have to maybe put down three times or four times or 10 times as much energy to get traction in that new direction yeah. as someone who's going the, the well-worn way. And uh, at times, it's exhausting. Like there are times when it doesn't yeah. feel worth it. There are dark nights of the <laughs> Absolutely. <soul. Yeah. laughs> but um, 
we that's part of the reason we have each other um, and balance each other. Um, you know, I have this sort of just relational core to who I am and wanting to see uh, people and people honored and and give people the information that they can use. So many of the potential clients we have don't know the things we're talking about even exist. So when we go toward, for example, a new build, hey, do you realize that there are these other possibilities? It would be a shame for you not to know that this stuff is around the corner and you could have it if you want it. And so there's the, these kind of core relational pieces that meet up really well with the sort of information that we hold from years and years, especially like Kevin says, of tearing things apart and see what hasn't worked well over time that uh, we get to bring together. And we've just decided that these are core values that um, that seeing things done in a way that honors the environment and honors the people and the people and that live in the building, the people, people that, that live in the building, building right? right. Um, all of those things, even if um, what it means is we're going to be struggling against dollars, for example, uh, we're going to know that a bunch of people aren't going to do what we're saying that they could do. And they're going to go find someone who can do it more cheaply. And we say, that's okay, but we're not going to do that. We're not going to go there because we've been there and we know what that looks and feels like, and we no longer want to be there. Oh man, I love this conversation. So yeah, you know, fundamentally, we all are doing one thing. We want to have a high quality experience of life. And we seem to think that that experience is, is chiefly economic when it's actually cheaply emotional. Like, right. Yeah. And yet, so this is living with, it's living with your values, come what may. And well, come what may might be pain. I mean, to just make it personal for a minute, Positive Energy is the uh, sponsor of this podcast. There's no mm -hmm. other sponsor. And um, my wife, Diane, and I have led Positive Energy for around 20 years. And we live really lean, right? Mm -hmm. We don't go out to dinner much. And mm -hmm. I and, and it's been hard, right? There's mm -hmm. been times and I have some dear, dear friends. So I've been in the industry construction industry around 30 years. I have some dear friends that have been in a lot longer, like 50, 60 years. Yeah. And this trance I talked about, this like product-based trance, like, oh, my building is a collection of products and the skill I bring is this understanding of how these, all these products, you know, there's not, that's not untrue. Mm -hmm. But what happens is a lot of times actually, I mean, honest about it they'll listen to our podcast and they'll come email me or they'll call me mm -hmm. and what they'll say is like in the subtext is you snapped me out of my trance mm -hmm. that i had been in for decades wow. and i finally look with fresh eyes and here's the part and it's painful mm -hmm. to see yeah the system that my life's energy my life's work right you know, my role in society not just my job and my money has my life's work has has been exploiting labor exploiting mm -hmm. resources delivering visual spatial aesthetics they're economically low first cost optimized right right you know and i'm not trying to vilify these people either like i've been in that trance mm -hmm. sure oh, it takes energy to it snap does. out of the trance it does we've all been there we all have right and if i would almost say that if you haven't been there you're not human yeah yeah the difference with us is that we didn't accept that as status quo and that's just as good as it's going to get we knew that there was something better and we are striving for it and we will not stop because the journey keeps going. You're literally giving me goosebumps. <laughs> and honestly, so I wanted us to talk about the future of construction. And I, I wonder if that is not one of the core tenets is humans tapping into something that says, I will stand for this right. period. And it might economically, it might be, uh, you know, shaking my roots and they're mm -hmm. clinging to the earth, you mm -hmm. know, in some sense. For sure. But there's there's a sense that um, for us to be the sort of human we want to be all the way through and through, 
Uh, we have to do that. And it's not just about the buildings we live in. It's a, it's a deeper question of who we are as human beings. Um, just take coming out go of, man, go there. <laughs> just like coming out of COVID. Um, we have, we all had experiences for me as a project manager working in people's houses during COVID. I had all sorts of inserts, interesting uh, dynamics going on with people. Uh, we had a lot of, for example, um, left lean clients and trades tend to be right lean. Uh, and so you encounter the difficulties and, of navigating that. Or you have people who have high anxiety um, uh, because they're separated from other human beings. Yeah, we're mammals. Um, we're mammals, exactly. And it's all about that those joyful connections that we have. And when those are severed, we're, we lose something about being human. So if we're not um, in a position, whether it's building buildings or um, working on the shaping of our own lives, that's a, a reflective recognition that um, the 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 easy way is almost always the wrong way. Mm -hmm. And the deep um, self-reflective ways do expose pain and fear and anxiety and other things. And the way into them is through them. Yeah. It's not around them. So it, it applies to us in building. And quite frankly, um, there are a lot of times when we think we're uh, our, our motives are pure and we're just going for it. And then we recognize, no, there's more work to be done. Like there's deeper work to be done. We have more discomfort to face. You mean we as we we, we as in day. like how we do our business mm -hmm. or the way we're facing our product or the way we're inter interacting with our client or 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 there's just so many ways that it it's it's going to be deeper and deeper. And the pain or the the difficulty that we face is never going to go away. The expenditure of energy is not. But to me, that's what's deeply satisfying um, with with the industry is. Um, I know I'm going as deep as I know how, both with uh, my clients and with my trades and with the people in the building and also with the building itself. And that's why this guy is a wonderful partner. Yeah. I, yeah, I couldn't it, find amazing. a better person on this earth than that. Yeah, you guys are a match made in heaven. Yeah. No, no pun intended. Yeah. <laughs> Theological <laughs> seminary. Yeah, right. <laughs> I was actually just thinking of something, it's something you mentioned earlier about the trades and, like, and with the ends about positive energy. My finance guy, Michael Weiss, hey Michael, um, <laughs> he believes in paying you the moment the work you've been contracted for is done. Right. Yet a lot of the people that pay us have this pay when paid mm. Um, mm. paradigm. So that a lot of times we are way overextended. Sometimes the owners of the company like don't get to make a draw that month because like mm -hmm. we didn't get paid, but we pay when paid. Right. And yet there's like this, there's this other layer which is like, well, that was appropriate for us to engage in that, right? To to do that and um i mean frankly i think just like, like you two there's a core group of people at, at our company at positive energy that really uh, really live want to live their values come what may mm -hmm. and it's the fact that like all of us can look at each other and go we're still going to pay this invoice because they're mm -hmm. done we can, you know mm -hmm. even though we don't have the money mm -hmm. coming in right now and like we look at each other and go yeah so there's that relationality supporting each other mm -hmm. right Try to make us uh, pivot away. I, I suspect we'll stay on some of these same themes of the future of construction. That's what I hope to do. Um, because the other two themes, I think, there's this, there's this building. How do you build a building? How do you build a business that builds a building? We've touched on that. We sure didn't exhaust it. We come no. back to that. Right. But then there's the people that build the building and the people that live in the building caring about their health. Right. And then the other one is like the 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 natural ecosystems upon which we all depend. We mm -hmm. pretend like there's some separate thing. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about health. Let's talk about health. In fact, when I first 
heard Opus Vitae, I thought, okay, just really great. I thought it was like something about music and something about <laughs> Yes, yes. <laughs> you know, and so it's interesting that life's work, life is health, right? Yes. Life and health somehow. They do, they intertwine. Like vitality. Right, mm -hmm. for yeah. sure. Yeah, without question. I mean, for, like for me, I believe that a builder carries a responsibility. A client that has us renovate their house or build them a new house has an expectation that it's not going to harm them when they move in. But most buildings actually pose that, yeah. that potential threat to somebody. Yeah. And I don't want to be part of that knowingly. Does that mean that like somehow we could use a product that maybe that we didn't know about? Of course, we're human, right? But we strive to avoid those things as much as possible. Mm -hmm. And to think that like, you know, we, a young family move into something that we build and like their kids get sick or there's long-term slow health considerations because of the house that they're living in. That's the kind of stuff that keeps me up at night that, that really uh, rattles me to the core. You know, I've got um, three grandkids now with the fourth one on the way. Wow. And to look at those little beautiful faces and think that I could ever do any harm to them because of the building that I constructed that they're living in just crushes me. Mm -hmm. oh, dude, you got me. Yeah. You know, um, yeah, you really got me. So you also work with um, the amazing Paula Baker Laporte. We do. And uh, I just finished reading, I guess, three, three or four months ago, her fourth edition of Prescriptions for a Healthy House. Yes. Cover to cover, every word. Maybe I didn't read the index. <laughs> I, hadn't read it, I hadn't read it since the first edition. It is radically different, and I, I feel much, much improved. Yes. Um, so that's an example of something you do differently. And uh, actually, I'm curious, how did you end up meeting Paula? How did that relationship develop? So it's an interesting deal. So um, Brian Montano from Over A Architecture mm -hmm. is somebody that we work with a lot. And um, we are very well aligned with processes and how we go about doing things. And he is such a team player. So he's an incredible human because he has an aesthetic talent, but he also cares about the product that he puts out there. And so he actually brought us into the world of Paula. So, I mean, Brian's a little bit of a kind of behind the scenes matchmaker in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. And he was the guy that said to us, hey, you need to look into this building biology thing. And at first I was like, yeah, okay, we're really busy right now, right? And then we met with um, one of the guys from Fastwall, Joseph Becker. Yep. And he's like, Kevin, the future is building biology. You really need to look into that. And so for me, sometimes it takes two knocks on the head before I like learn my <laughs> lesson. And, um, and so that was the second knock on the head. I'm like, okay. And so we started going down that path. And it's like, gosh, how did we not do this 15 years ago? Um, and I don't know. It's like the cosmos has the plan, right? And it just is working out the way it is. Because uh, 15 years ago, I probably wasn't mature enough to handle all that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> right? that's, another, that's another good point. It is, for mm -hmm. sure. It's an interesting thing because um, we talked about this just um, before the podcast, but um, we don't always have the option, for example, to build uh, a Paula Baker Laporte structure. Um, we got um, some documents from a potential client of ours who was in design with Paula and showed us all the specifications for what she would require to build that healthy home for them. And it was about a 110 page um, document of how to handle materials and what materials to uh, bring into the space and how to treat them when they were there and everything it was exhaustive. 
Now, um, we would love in some ways to skip right to that and do that all the time, but that's not the reality. So the reality for us is that we have to be on this continuum or this sort of sliding mm -hmm. scale. And what we can do is try to help people understand what that looks like. So for example, we had a, a potential client come to us with an architect who knew they wanted to build an air quotes, healthy home. And they said, how much would it cost per square foot to build a healthy home? <laughs> like, oh boy, like that's quite a PhD level question. Like we don't have the answer for that. I love it. But um, help us understand what you mean by that. We will help you understand what it could mean. And then we help you to try to place yourself on that continuum. And then we can help work toward that, those ideals. Um, so um, we would love to get all the way down the rabbit hole and get into, into um, very carefully stacking plywood in certain ways uh, that have low formaldehyde and off gas for a certain amount of time in the structure before they're put into place. But we're not always going to be afforded that opportunity helping people understand what the choices they have and what's important to them is in our wheelhouse every time. Yeah. And that's where we get to try to figure it out. I love it. I love it. I just want to touch on two things. One is this good, better, best mentality, right? Mm -hmm. I love that you say spectrum. Yeah. You're not trying to say there's a ditch on the left, there's a ditch on the right, and we want to go down the middle. There, There's constantly better. Like better mm -hmm. exists and there's ways to move toward it. And then there's like a thoughtful deviation from better that's like, hey, we, we've, we've gone this far and economics was another Venn diagram circle mm -hmm. I need to hit here. Mm -hmm. But this whole good, better, best, when what, what happens is we get asked a lot, oh, show uh, three different mechanical system concepts, a good, better, I'm sorry, a uh, yeah, good, better, and best. Mm -hmm. And we all know what's gonna happen is they're gonna pick better, <laughs> right? As though best were somehow like naively unsophisticated to even consider such a thing could get right. built, right? Like, well, why not, right? You, yeah. As soon as the iPhone's released, people line up for it. Why, yes. why don't we want HEPA filters in our houses? Right. right? Just, but I guess just to put the, like the pith on indoor healthy homes, right? Like, and I almost wish Paula would like write about this. Like your dominant intake by mass is air breathed in the home. So architects are designing masses of air, right? right. And then a healthy, you, what if I'm looking at Paul now, like a healthy Paul is a healthy Paul microbiome. Mm -hmm. Biomes on his skin, inside mm -hmm. his body. And that microbiome happens to correlate a lot with the microbiome of the indoor environment, its health. And health of you is a, so a healthy you is a healthy microbiome. A healthy you microbiome is a healthy microbiome surrounding you, which generally is on, growing on things like natural plasters and right. wood, and, you know, not glass, not steel, not or plastic, boilers. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, you know, and I guess the, 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 what I'm trying to uncover there is this idea that um, you're silly, you're naive, you're unsophisticated because you're constantly swimming upstream mm -hmm. with regard to healthy products. Um, I disagree. Mm -hmm. I think you're in the right spot. I do mm -hmm. too. And, you know, salmon swim upstream. <laughs> They're the tastiest fish in the Northwest. <laughs> yes. Well said. Um, so... We've talked a little bit about the, the opportunities for health, and yet you mentioned this client, right? Mm -hmm. So I love that you identify that a client can ask you a question that is like a PhD dissertation mm -hmm. level answer, mm -hmm. just like that, you know, because that's actually context we've thought of in-house. We don't usually tell our clients that. But you actually turned it around and said, let's get to the question under the question, mm -hmm. right? Um, how do you do that? How do you get to the question under the question? Mm -hmm. 
We've spent a bunch of time thinking through that because we realized that um, what we would like to do in a project is one thing, but what the client would like to do is an entirely different thing. And so we spend the bulk of our upfront conversation, in fact, the whole of the first conversation and maybe a second conversation before we've ever even looked at the structure, if it's a renovation or looked at the plans, if it's a new build, talking about their values. Like help us identify your values because uh, we have a lot of information over here that you don't know about. And we can't apply the information we have unless we understand what your value sets are. And you're applying it on their behalf. And we're, being, we're trying to understand and apply it on their behalf. So that's everything from um, health to cost to impacts to uh, family and relational elements, all of the things. Like help us understand the things that are important to you. And you probably won't even be able to identify as our client what those values are in some cases, unless we ask you specific questions, because they're so embedded in who you are as a person that you just sort of assume them until we tease it out of you and find, okay, there's a lot of values that we didn't understand here. And so what we're trying to do with process is try to get to the values as fast as possible so that we can uh, hone in on design. Can we, can we stay on this for a minute? Yeah. So are you telling me that as residential builders, you're trying to develop a process that helps discover your client's values? Absolutely. Wow. Fundamental to our pre-construction services. Contract. So is this sort of written down somewhere? Like ask these questions or? We're actually in the process wow. of creating sort of marketing literature to give to people when they're there because we feel like what we're asking from them is so different from what other people might ask them that they'll go home and they won't be able to remember it or make sense of it. And so trying to help them understand um, here's what our process looks like and here's why it does that. And here's the paper to help you remember that. And then start to think about the right questions. That's that's um, you got my link up like a pinball. <laughs> I mean, like fundamentally, what what I what I would like to say, it's interesting. So as positive energy has matured, I have less direct contact with clients, and I'm more working mm-hmm. for architects now. Yeah, and um, I miss I miss the direct contact. I get miss the direct contact to client and to be you know like to expose myself to feel a little vulnerable. Um, like if you two were the architect and I'm in here with Nico's the client. Um, I would want to be like, I would want to talk to Nico in one way, but then I have to think relationally, like, well, I don't want to talk to them in a way mm-hmm. that they wouldn't, him in a way that they wouldn't want. So it's this right. constant, like, well, is that going to sound okay? But what I would want to say to every client today is please expect more mm-hmm. from your home. Mm-hmm. Right now, your home might be a smaller, better home, but sure. when I say expect more, it's going to be a healthier home. It's going to be a quieter home. It's going to be more durable, mm-hmm. home, less maintenance, right? Whereas what we have today is like, we've, it's like we were saying, like, it's like the industry writ large is kind of saying what you should expect from your home is for it to make you feel a little bit like a big shot. Right. <laughs> I'm mm-hmm. sorry. Is that, you know, like, mm-hmm. like just bigger than you need, more glassy than you need, right. more luxurious finishes than maybe you need. And I'm really vulnerable with all that. But mm-hmm. um, like this idea of expecting more really is you can expect your home to resonate with your deepest values, mm-hmm. right? Right. I hadn't thought of that before until you were talking. For sure. And I think we should also expect more from the build firms that we hire. And that if you're if you're basing your decision on a price per square foot, mm-hmm. you're, you've, you've missed the ball. Yeah. Truly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I look forward to the day when I people 
are educated to the point where they don't ask that question anymore. So ballpark, what are you per square foot? And I always say, I don't know. I haven't built for you before at this time in history on the exact location that your property um, lives on and for the exact design that you come up with. Mm -hmm. Never done and would you really leave it there or would you start it there and then say, I give you a ring? I mean, because you might end just like just severing that relationship right there. Possibly, but then maybe was it a good relationship, right? If, if, if we're starting off by point. asking the questions of just how much is it going to cost? I get that money is an important part of what we're doing, right? But we need to know your values first and foremost and what's really important to you and we'll work into the money. But if the money is your sole concern, we're probably not a good fit. Yeah. So, yeah, sometimes we do lose some. There's, there's wisdom there and there's that challenges our mammalian nature, which fundamentally seeks safety through relational belonging. Mm -hmm. So you're, because you're meeting someone and saying, we might not have relational belonging because right. your values and ours are, are diverging. But it's wise too. It is. And it's okay. I mean, we don't, you know, like, wow. we don't make fun of them or anything, but it's just like, you know, here's what we do and how we approach it. And if you find that um, interesting and exciting to you, great, come along. But if you don't, we understand. No, we're just not a good fit for you. So. Part of that is um, written onto our webpage. We debated whether or not to put this letter that um, I wrote sort of on behalf of uh, ourselves writing to a client. Mm. Um, but we, we wrote this letter in there to that was um, about our experience of the pain that happens when people's uh, expectations are not met in construction projects, whether that's um, relationally, uh, the dollars associated with it, how long it took, uh, what the end product was, because the the parameters weren't defined early enough and uh, how desperately we wanted to get away from that discomfort. Um, and the only way we can figure out how to get away from that discomfort is fundamentally change our process so that it is nothing like and feels nothing like other process and gets to core values as fast as possible and we just kept getting more we were, were kind of working it in and in and in and finally i realized we're just talking about values we're trying to figure out what people want and care about as fast as possible and then figure out if our um our firm and what they're trying to do are in alignment with each other and if not to to part ways as quickly as possible so they can find someone who aligns with their values yeah and that in turn frees us up to be available for those that do mm -hmm. and, and and i think uh it's i'm trying to both interview you and my you keep stopping my brain <laughs> <laughs> so what really is happening here you know is in somewhere down near the core is you to trust that humans, humanity, your clients, they're basically good and want good things. Yes. They, they have the same values that you do. Yes. That you're trusting that in the sense every time you, you like this isn't, I'm sorry, this is relationship isn't going to work out. You're trusting that there is another relationship that will mm -hmm. work out. Yes. And I think that, um, and this is conjecture, but, I believe in the, you know, the future of homes that we're looking at here, that bet that you're making is actually starting to pay off. Like there are, mm -hmm. um, in fact, there's a really interesting book called the um, ministry for the future. And it's basically a science fiction writer, Kim Stanley Robinson starts in 2021. He wrote the book in 2021, but the book starts in 2023. And it looks forward to the future. How does humanity deal with the climate crisis? Mm. And his answer is essentially spoiler alert. Don't, don't listen. If you don't, if you want to read the book, it's like worth reading the book. It's basically like lots of pain. Mm -hmm. Emotional pain, logistical pain, financial pain is going to hit society in a ratcheting up manner. 
Mm-hmm. And eventually society's going to be like, okay, yeah, we really got to do this. Mm-hmm. But if that takes us 50 years to get there, each year, each, you could say each hour, like each time period now that we spend delaying, changing some basic uh, relationships with the natural world is centuries or longer of mm-hmm. pain, right? These are systems that they're very long time constants with long feedback loops. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And that's a whole nother level here. Right. And I, I believe it's alive in you too. I know it's alive in me is the sense of urgency. And yet the urgency, you have to treat a client with respect. Like they didn't create alone, create the situation. It's not their yeah. fault and they shouldn't be penalized right. because it's an urgent situation. But it's also really important to say this. Um, we learn really slowly as human beings and we change really slowly. Mm-hmm. So um, what's taken um, Kevin all these years since he was a teenager in construction and seeing things happen in ways that he didn't like and investigating why that was, and uh, his mind was slowly being changed to these things, we cannot expect to sit around a conference table with clients and in an hour change their mind about <laughs> oh, come on, the whole thing. <laughs> that is not the way it works, Christoph. I'm so sorry. Um, and so we have to be uh, humble about that. Like we're introducing ideas to people in that sense. We may just be planting seeds that they don't um, ever see grow for a while. And we can walk away from that and feel good about the fact that uh, we know who we are to the degree that we do now enough to, to have planted those seeds. And if they don't take them, that's not that's not bad on them or something like that. Like I'm slow to grow in other ways that I haven't spent my life dedicated to. So uh, we just there's so much um, humility that has to accompany this conversation. Wow. Think about that. Mm-hmm. The, the word humility in the context of the being a residential builder in the construction mm-hmm. industry generally. <laughs> yeah, right. You've got Kevin laughing. <laughs> exactly. There's not a lot of humanity. There is not. We know it, son. We've been doing this for 30 years. Exactly. <laughs> it's a big ego thing. I mean, you know, we, we're not big fans of like, you know, trade groups um, here because they tend to be that thing, right? Where everybody's like beating their chest at the events and patting each other on the back for donating, you know, a couple hundred dollars to this charity. Meanwhile, short paying their subs for five years, you know, I mean, mm-hmm. it's, you know, it, it's all, yeah. You know, I don't want to go on a tangent on that. Yeah. But, I have stories too. We all yeah, have war stories. Exactly. Um, but we just don't want to be that. Mm-hmm. So I'll just put it to you that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well said. Uh, thank you for holding those stories back. Cause I, I was, I was <laughs> going to go down that road with you. So we learn slowly and we change slowly. Mm-hmm. Well, um, so here I am, pretend I'm a client. What is it that you do or say, to help me to help like, yes, it's slowly, but you can make it a little more quickly. You can mm-hmm. connect with me somehow. Mm-hmm. Is that what it is actually? Is it connection? Mm-hmm. We connect. Yeah. Like how do you, how do you revise my, the context in which I'm making these decisions about my house? Oh, that was a good oh, there it, is. <laughs> <laughs> um, it really depends on the, the person of course, and how they respond to us uh, mm-hmm. in the room. We like to try to start sharing stories as soon as possible because through story, there's often uh, Mm. the breakdown of the mistrust that happens between people. So we'll often even blindside people with questions like, do you have uh, previous construction experience that we should know about? Because um, so often very interesting stories will come out of that and a lot of guarded guardedness or um, 
hesitancy about working with contractors or or just all sorts of interesting things come out. And that's not uh, in any way intended for us to open up uh, a wound and then we can rag on other contractors. It really right. is to get a sense of what are we facing? What is your fear? Like if we're talking about fear and values and things like that, what is your fear that you bring into this room as you talk to us? Is it... Um, we feel like the uh, the other contractor screwed us over and it was way too expensive. And so we're not going to tell you anything about our dollars or is it going to be something else? What is it that you're um, tempted to withhold? And as fast as we can get into, hey, we're here wanting to understand what you want so we can give that to you. And then we can inform those things with the, with the information and experience we have. Um, it allows us to then begin to tease out those questions. So... Uh, the client I referenced earlier, very interested in and concerned about seismic considerations in this area and where they were going to build. So that was a natural segue in some ways to to Fazwell. So he was fascinated by Fazwell, and then um, he had some some you know real interest in uh, the HRV and in um, the ability to filter air and uh, things of that nature. And so we started talking about enclosures, and they didn't come in with any of those thoughts in their head. They didn't even know those things existed. I mean, to the point where this guy's the, you know, an engineering mind and we were trying to talk values and he had gotten lost in the HRV and where the ducks were going to be going. Like he was all the way down that hole. And we had to like try to drag him back into this bigger picture. Like help, we'll get there like later on, but first we need to know Found these other, out. yeah, help right. us out here a little bit. And so it really is a process of just um, building a relationship to the point where it starts to matter to people like, oh, I should probably mention this to you guys. Oh, and this is really interesting to us. Or we'll ask questions like, what do you love about your current house or what do you hate about it? Because that'll help us understand your values without you saying them out loud. So any of those things that are clues that'll help us understand where they're headed. Um, just it makes it so much more fun. Mm -hmm. Like we really, it we really geek out on that. Like trying to figure out what it is people want and help them yeah. understand it better, because um, they don't often know what to tell us. They don't. And what's interesting too is that you know if we're building a high performing healthy home for somebody that doesn't care about the health component, they care about the performance of it, right? And so we then will be like, okay, so your value set is how it performs, and you're saving energy and all that stuff. And by the way. Is like a value add. It's also healthy. Yeah, you're yeah. like, that's great. I don't care. Like, that's not my value set, but cool. Gift with purchase. Love it, right? But if we were trying to sell them on this healthy thing that they care nothing about, we would never get to the to the project. Mm -hmm. So we find what people really hold valuable to them, and then we help develop that. And as a you know byproduct, it's going to be these other things as well. And people love that. Yeah. So. So it occurs to me that um, this is the first. So those of you listening, a lot of our podcasts are done over Zoom now, right? Like as mm -hmm. much of the commerce of the world is, we are all at the same table today. Mm -hmm. And I'm wondering how that's changing our, our conversation. And specifically when Paul was talking about um, develop, like the way you tease out your clients' values and the way you talk about how you approach homes, I was looking at you and, and I was trying to be suspicious. Like <laughs> you're just... BSing me. You're just saying this because it'll trick me. You know, you'll you'll get some ideas out of me that'll help you manipulate me later. You know, using that that, that mm -hmm. suspicious mind. You know, I mean, really, and I'm looking at your eyes, and I'm like, but I trust you. 
Mm-hmm. Like, so it's fascinating. Like to build a good house, you need to build trust. Very first. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, and yet, and yet, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. I, someone that went to seminary here, like mm-hmm. I would posit that for me to trust you, we have to have some shared uh, experience over time where you say something that I you know, know is true. And then I, you know, like, like if I just walk in going, Oh, look at him. He looks like this. He speaks like that with that tone of voice. I trust him. I don't know. How do you build trust? Uh, and I apologize if I'm sprawled out. <laughs> oh, no, no, this is great. This is great. It's fascinating because Kevin and I both and were, were reading about uh, a, a book on trust, actually, before we started the company, like passing it back and forth. Uh, oh, my goodness. Reading The Speed of Trust because mm-hmm. we both. That's the name of the book? I, yeah. The yeah. Speed of Trust. It's a great book. Um, we both identified that as uh, sort of the key component to mm-hmm. what we feel like we're doing as a team and as, uh, as a builder. Um, and I think that honestly, trust is something that you can um, start to sense in someone almost right away. Um, there's a there's a sense of integrity that uh, that follows certain people, and you will find yourself. I find myself um, willing and able to go in places and conversation with people almost immediately that I wouldn't with other people, and it's just an intuition. It's the way we read each other uh, as human beings. Um, the way we, the way what we see in the other person's eyes and the way they carry themselves, um, and that's just uh, a byproduct of um, us being aware that there's a lot of work that's gone on in the background of that person's life, and there's something that tells me I can trust them. It, it starts there, um, and then there are all sorts of behaviors that we can watch, of course, um, to verify that. But that's just the that's where it starts. Yeah. And, and so for us, I mean, we truly, we, we work to earn people's trust. That's, that's what we do. And it starts with the first meeting. You know, we don't, when people call or hear of us or whatever, and they're like, yeah, can you come out and take a look at our project? It's like, well, actually, no, our first meeting is in our office and we're going to have a conversation. Well, so, so how should I prepare for that? And I'm like, you don't, it's a conversation. You can bring a few photos if you want. That's great. We might not even get to them. We're going to learn about each other first. See if we're a good fit. Wow. I mean, that's so important to us and our team that we're working with good people. Yeah, we're going to have the time. Bringing it back to the theme. That's beautiful. Thank you, guys. I mean, yeah. I, I did not know. First of all, that speed of trust, the book you read, I didn't know that when I was asked these questions. I just love when synergies like this happen. So we're talking about the future of homes and what's happening now. And so I'm gonna to try to bring out some themes, feel free to comment here, right? Mm-hmm. So healthy homes, yes, and that's twofold health. The people that build, well, three maybe, the people that build it, the people that live in it, and the environments that provide resources for it. Sure. And the other two I have written here on this list is relationships and values, mm-hmm. right? So that's, that's fascinating to me. I, I, I came into this conversation not sure where we would go, but relationships based on trust Mm -hmm. and then sort of this internal um, compass, I guess you could say of values, like what matters to me and uh, is that something, I guess everyone knows what matters to them or they have to, is that something you have to tease out? You have to tease it out. And Paul's like, you know, the best guy that I know that can help with that. He's just, he just has this thing about him that you like, you want to tell him stuff. Um, mm. But oftentimes people don't know until you start having a conversation and they're like, oh, well, you know, yeah, or like, 
and we're watching TV and the, you know, HVAC system comes on and we have to turn the volume up and they don't recognize that as being a problem. That's just what they're used to. We recognize it as being a problem. It's like, oh, so the value to you is to actually have your, you know, quiet in your house so that you don't have to do those things. And we know where that's coming from, right? And so we can help to steer them in that direction because sometimes people just don't know what those things are and we help them find them. And so yeah. it's like, it's just, I mean, we say that like we're a relationship company that happens to do construction, right? I mean, it's like mm-hmm. how we approach things <laughs> is very different. Mm-hmm. It just is. And it's hard to explain. Even it's hard for us to explain because it's just this kind of growing thing that happens and we just strive to get better every single time. Mm-hmm. I have, um, um, and I'm gonna, I have one last question, but one, one or a statement, I guess. And I wonder about this a lot. I've been wondering about it for years and years now, right? So you mentioned um, turning up the TV. Mm-hmm. When the air, and that and my father's house has that. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just normal, just right. But but you don't see that. Um, I, I guess what I'm getting at is actually a little bit of a tangent, right? We, we sell homes with magazines and pictures and Instagram, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. You know, and, and yet acoustic comfort, can't take a picture of that. Mm-hmm. Thermal comfort, nope, can't take a picture of that. In fact, to, to us trained eyes, you can look at a house, you know, and say, that's not going to be comfortable. <laughs> right. and, and, and air quality, right? The, right? the dominant air quality pollutants, like first of all, indoor air breathed in the home, breathed in the bedroom is our dominant pollutant exposure source, right? So mm-hmm. just explaining that and getting them to trust that that's true. So it's interesting how when we talk about the future of homes, the things clients want, you know, sound and comfort and health, or indoor air quality, they're invisible. And yet the other ones that we talked about today, relationships mm-hmm. and values are also sort of invisible. Whoa. But here's here's the no thing. No wonder you went to seminary. <laughs> here's the thing that's exciting to us that like uh, Kevin mentioned to you the other day when we were talking about the Keats that we're building with Brian. Oh yeah, um, more about this. Yeah, we, we have you know we have we talk about those a lot. But one of the things that we felt was exactly what you're saying. A lot of the qualities that we're talking about in a house or in a structure um, are in. You can't put your finger on them and any of that stuff. Um, it's, yeah, exactly. They're intangible. They're they're conceptual until you've experienced them in a different way. And so um, we have this property that is going to have these two small keats that are about 500 square feet. Excuse me, what's a keat? It's just a small structure. Brian was the one who insisted on this language, and it is a real word out of the dictionary. <laughs> is it K-E-A-T? K-E-E-T. Oh, interesting. Yeah, and so because there's two of them, we have nicknamed it parakeets. <laughs> so the, par- the parakeets are soon to come to existence. And uh, what Brian has decided to ultimately do with the pro- the uh, the two keys um, is to a short-term rent them because we want people to have a chance to experience them because we just don't yeah. think that people are going to get a sense of it just by talking about it. And so whether it's clients who would like to come in, you know, into town and try these things for a weekend or whether it's someone coming to OHSU for health concerns who has chemical intolerances or things like that, um, we feel like it's a great way to showcase it. And so we're not, he's not selling it. We're just, he's going to keep his hands on it and uh, rent it out so people can have a chance. Beautiful. Yeah, yeah. it's like um, a bit of um, investing in the future of the construction industry right there. Exactly. Just saying, we're not just going to flip this. We're going to let people experience it. For sure. And, and quite frankly, the flipping part of it's hard because our price per square foot, to use that, that term that I don't like, 
is quite a bit higher than what people would normally experience. And my concept is that it's less square footage, but high, high quality construction. Mm -hmm. And so you get this incredible structure and the give is it, it's a little bit smaller. Mm -hmm. And so you adapt to it, mm -hmm. right? But it's a healthy place mm -hmm. and it's a cool place. And I think that if people start to look at homes a bit different and not about how big it is, but about how well built it is and how healthy it is, right? Wouldn't that be cool if at a dinner party, people are talking about the way their house was constructed and how healthy the indoor area is and like breathe everybody, isn't this great? As opposed to, well, look how big this is and look at this fancy countertop over here. Mm -hmm. The things that truly don't matter. Mm -hmm. So. That's, All the electronics. Yeah, right. you, you got me with the dinner party thinking about the wine that was probably on the table. <laughs> right. They probably don't go, hey, this wine, I got it in a gallon. Yeah. For exactly. uh, only $2 a gallon. <laughs> right. Isn't that awesome? Exactly. Everyone else at the table exactly. is like looking away. Right. This steak, I go buy off of some guy just selling out the back of his car. Yeah, exactly. Oh, good. But it was so cheap. <laughs> exactly. Great. Look how much of it I got. Right. But we, yeah, there is sort of this. Quantity versus. Okay, well, I think that is a good as place as any to leave it. We've had a really rich conversation, covered a lot of ground. Um, anyone listening here, I would recommend this is probably a two times through podcast. Uh, there's a lot of good stuff in here. And I just want to thank you guys so much for your time. Absolutely. You're welcome. And for your caring. <laughs> <laughs> That's just who we are. Yeah. But thank yeah. you for um, helping us, you know, get our message out there. Yeah. Thank you. You're welcome. And, and thank you all for listening. We'll talk to you next time.